It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Good morning. Happy Thursday to you. It's starting off a little damp. A little, I know you don't like the word moist. You know, someday we have to analyze that. Someday we got to bring on a linguist or someone who is more versed than I am in the way that people respond to particular words. And we got to find out what it is about that word that weirds people out. It doesn't bother me any. I don't see a problem with it, but I know a lot of people that do. Friends and family, please don't say the word moist around me. It creeps me out. I don't don't get it. But anyway, it is that kind of a day. And it seems like we're in for that kind of a weekend, at least, because Hurricane Lee seems to be heading... In our direction, I guess not a direct hit here on the South Coast, but close enough that we will feel an impact. And actually, we are currently under a tropical storm watch, which means that they're expecting there to be tropical storm conditions at the very least. Now, that tropical storm watch is set to expire later on today, but I think that's because they're going to take a look at where the track of the storm has gone and see if they need to readjust. That tropical storm watch may be extended. It may actually be turned into a hurricane watch. And actually, let me, before I'm kind of talking out of my butt here. Yes, it is a tropical storm watch. So in in, in, in six or seven hours when this expires, it could be turned into a tropical storm warning. It could be turned into a hurricane watch or a hurricane warning, depending on what the track of the storm is. But the bottom line is, take this seriously. Right now, this is the latest, this is as of about an hour ago. They're looking at below tropical storm force wind. 20 to 35 miles an hour with gusts up to 45 miles an hour. Now, I know that doesn't sound like much, especially, you know, living in this area where we deal with nor'easters all the time. There is the potential for gusts up to 57 miles or actually for wind up to 57 miles an hour. But it's a steady wind. That's where the effect happens. It's not just so much that it's it's frequent gusts of wind. It's that it will be consistent wind. So right now they're just saying, you know, Could be potential damage to porches, awnings, carports, sheds, and unanchored mobile homes and unsecured lightweight objects could be blown around. But where the problem comes is in those winds and people not securing things that are in their yard. 
blocking up roadways with things that are flying around out of your yard. And, of course, the wet leaves weighing down on the power lines. And it's still going to be significantly warm, you know, in the high 70s when this storm comes through. So you, you and it's going to be, of course, naturally humid. So you do want to hope that we don't lose power, not only for the inconvenience of it, but also it's not the best conditions to sit around and not have air conditioning. Excuse me. It's not like you can open the windows and let some fresh air in. So just, you know, be cautious, be aware, and keep an eye out because if it does intensify, you want to be ahead of that. Now it could turn out to be nothing. Could turn out to be just a windstorm. But again, I'm I'm preaching to stay safe for a reason. I don't want to see anybody not take it seriously and then end up in trouble. Now, last night, yesterday, there was another tornado warning on in, in Bristol County, more toward the northern end of Bristol County. I didn't even get an alert on my phone. And I don't know what the... Um, geofencing is for who gets those alerts because I was here at the station when the alert went live I guess some folks got it I didn't I'm probably pinging off the because I have T-Mobile I'm probably pinging off the Rochester Tower even when I'm here that's Plymouth County maybe that has something to do with it I don't know but it, Previously, when we got them, I, I got the alerts. When I was in Rhode Island earlier this week, the, uh, this past weekend, and flood watch alerts came through everybody's phone, I didn't get mine until hours later. So I, maybe it's something to do with my phone. But either way, the tornado warning went out. I saw Channel 5 had video footage of a cyclone in the sky in Plainville, but that there was no touchdown. But there was still a cyclonic cloud in Bristol County yet again. So if we're going to remember the summer of 2023 for anything, I think it's going to have to be remembering it as the year that tornadoes started to become a regular occurrence on the South Coast. We had the one that touched down in, in what, Mattapoisett or Rochester earlier this summer. There's been a number of them that have been spotted, cyclonic clouds, even a few touchdowns over the course of the summer. And as I've said before, up until a couple of years ago, I had never even been in a tornado warning. At least that I could recall. And now it's become a not common occurrence, but certainly not a rarity either. So this is something that's just going to become part of the landscape of living here now. We're going to have to be prepared for those types of situations. Now, again, when we're talking about a tornado here, yes, it has to be taken seriously. But we're not talking about these giant sweeping cyclones, these f 
three, four fives that barrel across the Midwest that you can see for miles and miles away. We're talking about smaller, more limited in their scope and more limited in their destruction, but still enough to cause significant damage and, and threat to life. So add that on to your foul weather bingo card now. You've got hurricanes, blizzards, nor'easters, and now tornadoes. And I still say that the nor'easter in November of, I believe it was 2021, yeah, November of 2021, or maybe it was late October of 2021, is still the worst storm that I've been a part of that I can recall, whether it be a snowstorm, a hurricane, whatever. Being stuck on the Cape in the early morning, being unable to even open the door of the vehicle that I was in because the wind was so strong. With all 280 pounds that I weighed at the time of myself pushing against that door. And I couldn't open it, couldn't get out of the car. Right along the canal. That's some significant wind. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Hi, Tim. It's your girlfriend. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. Um, I just wanted to say welcome back. Thank nice you. to hear your voice in the morning. I know you've been back for a few days now, but um, Jack did a good job when you were um, out. He's a very uh, thoughtful host um, and non um I don't know, non-confrontational, I guess, as are you. Um, that's why I enjoy your program so much. Thank you. Um, I, I just wanted to say Alexa gave me a scare last night when I was doing dishes because she said there was um, a cyclone something. I don't know, disturbance. I don't know the other word that she used in Bliss Corner, and that's where my sister lives. So I got a little panicky, and uh, I just went outside and like looked around and didn't see anything happening here in Dartmouth, but um, I worried about it. I think my biggest fear is to hear that um, we might have a tornado during the evening or during the night when we're sleeping. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine anything scarier than that. Yeah, I, mean, I have a friend who lives in Oklahoma, and I've talked with her about that. I'm like, you know, when, when, there's, when there's bad weather, does it make it hard for you to go to sleep thinking that there might be a, a, a tornado? And she said, you know what, because she moved there from Georgia. And she was like, mm -hmm. you know, when I first moved here, yeah, but the more that I got used to, to kind of being here, I kind of fell under the auspices of there'll be a whole bunch of things going off if that's mm -hmm. the case. You know, our phones will go off. Uh, you, you know, she sleeps with the TV on. She's like, so I'm sure I'll get the the the, um, the uh, EMS alert on that. Mm -hmm. So it, it certainly seems like, you know, it's it's something that you've got to take seriously when you live there, but that you can kind of make that that type of an adjustment. Right, right. I used to teach school, and one of the uh, stories in our anthology, nonfiction, was Tornado Alley, and it described what would go on, and, and the whole story terrified me. And uh, I don't. I think it's like for a hurricane, you have more time to get prepared. Not that hurricanes are anything to laugh at. Um, and the only hurricane that I remember, I think I remember 54, and... Um, you know, the subsequent ones that didn't seem so bad. Like, mm -hmm. I know they did damage, but but the one, the hurricane of 38, I've seen, like, the picture book of it, 
And that was like devastating. But again, you have time to prepare for it. Yeah, I think there's a there's a difference now, you know, with with the modern technology, modern meteorology and the news coverage of it all. You know, I don't think we'll ever get into a situation like 38 again where, mm-hmm. you know, people were kind of caught by surprise to some degree. They they only had hours to prepare. But at the right. same time, I think that the more coverage that we have of this, the less serious people take it. True, because it becomes like a not commonplace, but run of the mill and you don't take it seriously and whatever. And they see it and they see it on TV and they say, well, look at how, you know, it's not that bad there. Forgetting the fact that it's going to travel over hundreds of miles of ocean before it comes here and hits us again, gathering strength. Right. Or some people in the media get all excited and they like blow it out of proportion. And, uh, you know, and then when it doesn't, when it fizzles out, then that adds to the complacency. You know, and I've noticed, too, that people seem to have a it's kind of like their opinion of who's giving the report is how they determine Mm -hmm. whether or not to take the report seriously. Like so when Jim Cantore is all excited about a storm and overhyping a storm, people just say, well, that's just Jim. He just gets excited Mm -hmm. for every storm. But if somebody else does it, they're like, oh, they're just playing it up for ratings. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like it's people people get excited about reporting something like this. Right. Right. I mean, think about this. Think about how, you know, when when. Years ago, every time there was a storm, we knew that it was a bad storm if we saw Shelby Scott out there on the ocean. You know, that, mm-hmm. was, that was kind of our barometer for how bad the storm was going to be. And I think it's kind of the same idea. You know, they, they want to get out there and get that shot because it makes things more interesting for people. And maybe it makes them take it more seriously. Right. And when I was a kid, I would get excited when I heard Salty Brian on the air all the time. Sure. No, no school. And um, that would make me dance like the happy dance in the kitchen. <laughs> I, 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 as a kid, uh, you know, you always wanted to live in like Foster Gloucester because they seem to never yeah. have school. I was just thinking that. I was just thinking it. I thought, where is this place? And how can I get there? It's in the middle of nowhere in Rhode Island. Wow. And uh, right. w- one, one other thing, too, is you said your sister lives in Bliss Corner. That's yeah. been a place that, you know, now that you've, you're saying that they've got, you know, cyclonic activity there, that's also been a place that's had a couple of earthquakes the last couple of years, too. Exactly, exactly. I remember because I'm like down at the, um, I'm at Russell's Mills. So I remember the day of that earthquake, we heard this tremendous, it was Sunday morning, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought for sure some car had hit something close by. And then I noticed all the neighbors were coming out of their houses. And we were saying, what's that? What's that? And it leaves you with such an odd feeling like, oh, my God, like, you know, this could be it. And that was just a tiny little thing, right? It was just a hiccup. Yeah. We've we've had quite a few in the last couple of years. Yeah. Well, you figure that, you know, the earth is not static. Things are going on that, you know, we may or may not be aware of. Yeah, and, and I know I'm saying here, you know, we got to start taking these things more seriously, but we still have it better than a lot of other places when it comes to tornadoes and earthquakes and things like that. Definitely, definitely. And now if I can switch to political, I think we've got it a lot better than other places in the world, too, even though our country seems to be, you know, we're all like yelling at one another and stuff like that. But when you think about the freedom that we enjoy in this country, um, you know, it's something to be um, cherished. I guess is the word I want to say. And I think we're probably heading toward a course correct. I know it seems for a lot of people like, ah, this is this is the most divided we've ever been, in which I caution people. No, there was actually a time when we were actually fighting each other. So, you know, it, right, it has been right. worse at other times. But I think that, you know, eventually people just become 
fed up with this and start looking away from it. And and I, I think we're getting closer to that point than, than we've ever been. I hope so, because I, I want to advocate for, like, common sense and common decency and, um, you know, listening more to what the other side or what the other person has to say and trying to figure out why they believe that rather than rush to judgment. You know, as a, as a I guess a, as a victim of my age, I didn't really have an understanding of why there can be such divisiveness even here locally. You know, I understand mm-hmm. divisiveness on the national level, but locally where we all have to live each other, live with each other. And then um, I watched uh, last night a an episode of the American Experience on PBS on the Boston busing crisis and mm-hmm. the whole background behind mm-hmm. that and just how horrible that situation was. And that actually gave me perspective. I was like, you know, I can kind of understand why people feel the way they do now say about immigration taking a look at the way that people handled the the, the busing situation and, and the education system in boston back in the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. you know it gave me a little I, context right right and that's important that's important to have because i think that you know i certainly have a tendency to think oh this is happening and this is terrible or this is you know unique to our times and instead of being like a student of history and really realizing you know things have gone um, in the past, things have been worse than this or just as bad as this or whatever. But um, I don't, what, what frightens me is that we spend a lot of time in this country um, yelling at one another without like sitting down and trying to tackle it because the issue is really complex, which is an oversimplification. No, it's really a hard thing to try to figure out, but nothing is going to be gained if we scream at one another. And we have to shift away from this idea of having to be right and having to win versus having to come up with a solution and having a compromise. Amen. Amen. But it's going to take some work. Uh-huh. Well, again, glad to have you back, Tim. Well, thank you so much. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. And if you want to call in, 508-996-0500. You can also send in app chat messages via the WBSM app and open line voicemails via the WBSM app. But yeah, that was something that, um, you know, obviously I'd, I'd learned about the, the, the busing situation uh, in school, you know, I've obviously read things about it in the past, but, you know, watching this, this two-hour documentary on it and seeing the news footage and seeing the way that people reacted and, and looking at, say, those riots is really the only word I can use for it outside of, South Boston High School on the first day that students from Roxbury would bust in and seeing the Southie residents throwing rocks and breaking windows and threatening the lives of those students and realizing to myself, I, I have family members that are in that crowd. Like, I know people that were in that crowd. I know people who were in that school. And it's, it just took something that was very abstract to me and, and showed me what it was like. And, and what I found to be the most compelling part of this whole documentary, and again, it was the American experience on PBS. If you missed it, if you didn't get a chance to see it, they rerun it. But also you can get all of their episodes through the PBS app. And that's my one of my favorite shows on television, American experience. But the... The fact that it went on for 
over a decade where they tried to find solutions and compromise and just never could. Part of it was because they were actively, actively working against desegregating the schools, the school committee was, but still, it was just, it's, it's crazy to have watched. Anyway, I've got to take a break. We'll be back in just a few moments. And more of your phone calls at 508-996-0500 coming up right after the news. But now it is time to go into the newsroom with Adam Betts. Hurricane Lee is prompting hurricane and tropical storm watches on the East Coast. The National Hurricane Center says hurricane conditions, heavy rainfall, and coastal flooding are possible in Maine this weekend. There's also potential for life-threatening storm surge flooding in Massachusetts. Lee remained a Category 2 storm as of late Wednesday night, packing maximum sustained winds of roughly 105 miles per hour. Utah Republican Senator Mitt Romney and former Massachusetts governor will not run for re-election. Romney told the Washington Post he will not seek a second term, adding it's time for a new generation to step up and, quote, shape the world that they are going to live in. He added a second term would take him into his 80s and he would be less productive. Romney was the Republican presidential nominee in 2012. The United Auto Workers Union is prepared for a likely strike against Detroit's big three automakers. On Wednesday, Union President Sean Fain ruled out any extension of existing contracts with GM, Ford, and Stellantis after they expire tonight. He noted that September 14th is a deadline, not a reference point. Members are at odds with the companies over wage increases, pensions, and job protections. For two hours on Wednesday, customers at a gas station in Kent, Michigan, paid $1.23 less than the national statewide average for gas, Bradford reports. It was a demonstration by the Washington-based organization Future 42. They say it shows what people would pay without a carbon tax. The AAA has Washington's average at 504, Oregon's average at 471, the national average is 384, and that's the price a Kent station offered. West Coast prices are always higher than the rest of the country. The governor's office released a statement saying oil companies are reporting record profits. They want the legislature to pass a law next year that would require transparency in gas prices. Brad Ford, NBC News Radio. A federal judge is, has found the DACA program unlawful for a second time. Judge Andrew Hannon of the Southern District of Texas maintained that a rule turning the policy into a federal regulation violated the Administrative Produ Procedure Act, which governs how agencies make their regulations. The Obama-era Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program protects undocumented immigrants that are brought into the U.S. as children. President Biden says House Republicans are launching an impeachment inquiry against him because they want to shut down the government. At a campaign reception in Virginia yesterday, Biden said he's not focused on impeachment because he's got, quote, a job to do. The White House says Republican investigators have turned up no evidence of wrongdoing by Biden. And in sports, last night's game between the Red Sox and the Yankees was rained out. The two will play a makeup game today at 1.35 p.m. at Fenway Park. 
Weather forecast currently right now in New Bedford, it is 67 degrees, mostly cloudy, not as humid as it was a week ago. Today's forecast is going to be 80 degrees with partly sunny conditions, and it's going to be less humid. Tonight's forecast, 58 degrees with some patchy clouds here and there. And tomorrow's forecast, 71 degrees, mostly cloudy and not as warm. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM. And get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. 1420 WBSM, as crystal clear as FM. Stream us on the WBSM app. to laugh and when the sun is out I've got something I can laugh about I feel good in a special way I'm in love and it's a sunny day Good day sunshine Good day sunshine Good day sunshine We take a walk and welcome back in. Uh, no sunshine right now here in the morning, but that's okay. Uh, we have bad weather on the way. Tropical storm watch that could morph into a warning, could move morph into a hurricane watch or a hurricane warning, depending on the track of the storm. But either way, we're going to be getting something as a result of Lee, uh, probably on Friday night into Saturday. So I'm going to be heading out to the TerrorCon convention out in Marlboro. So I'm assuming being that far inland will be okay, but I'm going to be driving back and forth. I'm not staying out there, although maybe I should. Maybe I should just anyway because I'm going to get out of stuff late and have to be back early. But two things. One, I prefer staying. I like sleeping in a hotel. I do. But... Usually, if I can sleep in my own bed, I will. And also, I'm cheap. And I was taking a look at some of the options on getting a room. And the cheapest I found was actually in the hotel that's where the convention is. They have some rooms going for 150 a night. And I'm like, that seems like a lot of money to spend for an hour drive home and an hour drive back. But then you see how differently you feel, you know, when it's 1230 in the morning and you've been there all day and you say, oh, I wish I could just go upstairs and go to bed. But I'm also not above sleeping in the car or sleeping on a lobby couch for an hour or two just to refresh myself before I drive. Anyway, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You were on WBSM. Good morning. How are you? Pretty good. Uh... You mentioned uh, PBS and, uh, uh, what is it, uh, The American Experience? Yes. Yeah, they do have some great shows, uh, some great programming on uh, that American Experience. Uh, It brought to mind, I was surfing through the channels the other day in the evening, and I came across on PBS, uh, it was uh, at the Library of Congress, they were honoring Joni Mitchell, a Lifetime Achievement Award for songwriting. Oh, and unfortunately, I might have missed the first hour of that because it was really an interesting uh, 
they had various artists singing, you know, her uh, a lot of her songs. And it brought to mind when I was going to Bridgewater State College many years ago, and they used to have a folk, uh, two-hour folk program on Sunday evenings. And, of course, that was in the late 60s. And they'd start off the show with Tom Rush singing a Joni Mitchell song called Urge for Going, which she wrote when she was 14 years old. Uh, in, uh, she was She's from Alberta, Canada. And... Uh, just a tremendous piece of poetry, that song. And uh, Tom Rush has always been my favorite folk artist. I don't know if you're familiar with him. A little bit, yeah. Well, he comes down to the New Bedford uh, Folk Festival quite a bit. Uh, he's been there almost every year they've had it. Because he appears at the Narrows and Fall River. He's pretty old now. But uh, he's just got a tremendous voice. And he interprets uh, songs very well. And... I was hoping, I was watching that, and I was hoping that he would appear on that and do that song because it is just a great song. And, like, she was unknown when she wrote that. Nobody even heard of her. I mean, she's like a 14-year-old girl, you know? It's uh, just... I was going to say, I can imagine, yeah, at 14, in, in that day and age, you know, you probably haven't been discovered yet. But a lot of, I mean, a lot of her songs have been interpreted by different artists, not only other folk artists, but also... Herbie Hancock. Uh, well, but and and pop artists too. Yeah, you know she she had um you know a big yellow taxi was a a big hit for I think it was Michelle Branch or Vanessa Carlton like back in the early two thousands became a big pop right. hit. I'm trying to think because her first album I, I I was buying albums in those days in the late sixties so like I was a I think I was about seventeen eighteen years old at that time I'm dating myself now but her I, I remember getting her first album and it was all her artwork the album cover. And uh, just beautiful artwork because she was quite a painter too. Very talented woman, you know. <laughs> yeah, what's funny too is I remember hearing in the early days of Taylor Swift's career a lot of comparisons between her and Joni Mitchell in terms of songwriting. And then you know Taylor Swift took a little bit more of a pop turn. But uh, I don't know that we'll ever have another Joni Mitchell, somebody who's as 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 honest in those lyrics, but also as as you said, poetic in them as well. Yeah. Well, when I think of the songwriters of the '60s. I think of Bob Dylan, I think of Joni Mitchell. I think, the, like Bob Dylan, his lyrics were extremely powerful on his early albums. I don't know if you're familiar with his early albums, but mm -hmm. uh, I had every one of his albums, and bringing it all back home, there's a long poetic song called Desolation Row. I think it goes for 15 minutes on the album. And I don't think I've quite ever heard you know, it almost it, it almost appeared to be like an epic poem by T.S. Eliot, you know? Yeah, you well, and I think it. that that's kind of what they're designed to be like, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, he had tremendous songwriting ability. And I think Joni Mitchell is in that, is in that caliber. I mean, uh, if you listen to the lyrics closely on his songs, it, it really comes from the heart. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for the call. Okay. Thank have you. Have a good bye. day. And, uh, yeah, if you missed part of that, you might want to check the PBS app. They probably have loaded up the entire uh, the entire special on there. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hey, Tim. How you doing? Good. How are you? Very good. So I'm <clears throat> kind of going to try and unpack something real quick. Uh, I don't know if you spoke about this earlier in the show. Uh, I heard... Jessica Machado from your uh, from your station. She was at the select board meeting uh, either yesterday or, or the day before, and she gave a very impassioned uh, speech 
to the select board in regards to the refugees at the Orbitz uh, Hotel. And I give her a lot of credit because she said that she came out and personally helped the individuals there. She came out with toothbrushes, toothpaste, card games, uh, flashcards to try and help these the, the kids there because there there were a lot of uh, women and children that that have been put up in that that hotel. But she also brought up some, you know, obviously uh, some concerns in regards to who's going to pay for it. But the fact that she dug into her own wallet and you know took out money to actually help those people personally deserve a, a big commendation. And and I just want to to reach out to her. I don't. I don't usually listen to her on the, on the weekends, uh, but I do know that she uh, was very active in that, and she's still very active in that situation over there. Yeah, I mean, people hear, you know, her being against that situation and against them being housed in Somerset, and they think that that's, you know, an, an, an inhuman approach to take, but that's not where she's coming from with it. You know, she's... Right, she's, she's coming from a fiscal, a fiscal issue. Yeah, it's not, it's not that she doesn't care about the human beings that are there. It's just that she doesn't like... First of all, you know, I don't think that she liked the way that it, it all went down because... Right. It, it happened without anybody's kind of notice and and without giving anybody advance warning. Although I gather from the from the um, press release that was put out by the town administrator that the town officials were expecting it, they just didn't communicate that to the citizens. Well, I, I think all the municipalities are kind of expecting it to mm -hmm. be dropped on them, just because of the way it's been happening throughout the country. Yeah, if you have a hotel uh, or a motel in the Commonwealth <laughs> in your town, it's probably going to happen there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I called the afternoon show with the uh, Barry, and, and he gets all frustrated uh, when I bring this up. And, and <clears throat> he has a habit of, of hanging up on people, and it's just it's freaking ridiculous with, with him anyway. He's just very, uh, you know, I don't know, amateurish, I guess you could say. Uh, I don't, don't want to dump on other hosts, but yeah, I will. But I will. amateurish, but, you know, he, he just... He didn't understand what I was trying to say. I was trying to actually compliment Jessica, and and he was, you know, took it a different different way. But what I what I wanted to discuss with him was he, he called semantics, but they they continuously say that these are legal immigrants mm -hmm. and they're refugees. And because I, I keep bringing it up that there's a lot of women and children there, and that's what actually raised the flag that these are refugees versus just uh, you know eighteen twenty year year old males looking to you know get into the country illegally so when i see the when i see two different aspects of this women and children it, it brings me back to the old mantra the old time days where we like you know save the women and children first you know the old conservative uh compassionate way of, of how we handled situations where, where there were emergencies right so if the ship's going down it's women and children first women and children first out of out of a burning building when I see a lot of women and children leaving, which is different than what you see in Europe, uh, crossing the Mediterranean, uh, when you see those people, those are, those are a lot of uh, military-aged men, single individuals. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's a problem. That's, that's a huge problem. If we see that coming here, that's also a problem. But when we see women and children, we need to have a different outlook. And the way Jessica is actually handling this is, is, is credible. And she deserves commendation for it because she is actually being active in being a compassionate conservative because she is very conservative, but she's a compassionate conservative digging into her own pocket and helping these people out 
but she also looks at it from the fiscal side of things in, in which uh, she goes, look, we can't, we can't afford it. And, and I agree with her 100%. That there are things that we cannot do and afford uh, on, on a municipal level. I do think that people just kind of hear the, the, the immigrant story and immediately start making assumptions or immediately start having those emotional reactions. Because if you remember when the Afghan families came to New Bedford, how many people were against that and saying they, they don't belong here and we can't take right. on any more people? And it turned out to be what? Eight families. I think it's like yeah. less than, than 30 people. And these were people that were fleeing a war uh, fleeing the Taliban after helping us, knowing that they would be literally murdered because they helped us. Like that is, that right. is the ultimate in you know I, needing I to that, needing to hand out, uh, hold out a helping hand. Right. I, I think I, I forget who it might have been. You. It might have been Marcus and, and Chris. But someone brought it up yesterday uh, in regards to the catastrophe in, in Louisiana with Katrina. Yeah. And and we started shipping these people who are flooded out of their homes to different areas of the country. And even then, the same people who are complaining about the refugees here in, in Somerset complained about American citizens coming here to, to flee disaster. The, the, same so with the, Puerto, the same with the Puerto Rico hurricanes. Right. The, these people are just, it's, they make the excuse, oh, these aren't, we can't afford it because they're illegal. They're illegal. Well, when they were actual american citizens you didn't want to help them either which makes you a hypocrite because you don't just you don't want to just help people uh you don't want to just help american citizens it's like the people who say um you know look at all the money that we're spending on illegal immigrants we could we could use it to buy uh elderly people or subsidize their hearing aids uh no you actually don't want to do that because if we did propose that you'd be objecting to that too right Yep. You know, it's, it's very hypocritical on their side. They use it as an excuse, but they actually don't mean it. But the argument I got into a caller yesterday is, you know, wanting to help the folks that do need the help is virtual signaling. Well, no, virtual signaling is saying things like we should help the elderly. And then when the opportunity comes up, not doing so. Right. They, they never they never want to actually help. They never actually do. They just use it as an excuse. The, the people who if you're a principled conservative, you should actually be advocating for we have forty. We spend forty-five million dollars a month here in Massachusetts right now on illegal immigrants. We should actually, if we took all that money away from them, we should actually be advocating for a forty-five million dollar a month or a six billion dollar tax cut for the uh, citizens of uh, of Massachusetts. That would be a principled conservative approach, not asking for subsidized hearing aids and stuff. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. All right. Well, Bye, thank you so much for the call. You have a good day. And uh, callers, hang on. We will get to you. I'm just behind on a break. Got to take that. Be back in a few. Damn. And I got an app chat message asking a question, and we will discuss aliens a little bit later on in the program, uh, but not right now. We will talk about it, though, because it is in the news in a couple of ways. One, maybe alien bodies, and two... Maybe an alien planet. So we'll talk about both of those things. But if you are lying awake at night in your bed, eyes open, can't fall asleep, worried about whether or not those aliens are going to come and abduct you in the middle of the night and take you aboard their ship and probe you and do all those kind of things. Well, if you're laying awake thinking about that, it's probably not so much the aliens as it is. You just can't get a good night's sleep on your mattress. 
So why not stop by Whirly Beds Factory Outlet where they can get you the perfect mattress for the perfect night's sleep. They make the mattresses right there on Pope's Island in New Bedford so they can help contour it for what you need. They have the mattress that will fit you and they will work with you to find the right one. They will work with you to make sure that it is exactly what you need so that you can fall asleep and not have to lay awake worried about the aliens. And the great part about that is that right now their Labor Day sales event is ongoing. It's happening through September 25th and you can save big on better, more restful sleep. We're talking up to 15% off any made in the USA bedroom furniture, we're talking 20% off select cooling pillows and mattresses. We're also talking about $100 off any style of made-in-the-USA adjustable base and 200 off ultra-adjustable bases. But the real key here, up to 400 bucks off select mattresses in any size. Savings on everything during the Whirly Beds Factory Outlet Labor Day event going on now through September 25th. Check them out. Whirly Beds Factory Outlet on Pope's Island in New Bedford and at whirlybeds.com. And welcome back in. We have just a few moments remaining here in this hour. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk more with you. 508-996-0500. We will also take your app chat messages via the WBSM app, as well as your open line voicemails via the WBSM app. And as I said, we will talk a little alien.